0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Faith Church podcast. Episode number 100. 100. Zero zero. 100. Zero zero. And uh, if you don't recognize that voice, that is my co host for the day, Jeff Clossy. And I am Jay Williams. And this is episode number 100. I can't believe that we are on number 100. Honestly, I can't believe that. It's, it is, it is what's, there's gotta be one of those, uh, not parables, but, uh, fables (laughs) about, about slow and steady, you know, or just about a little bit at a time or the doing it once a week and then it adds up something like that. Yeah. Isn't there, what, isn't one of Aesop's fables about, um, a podcast? I think you're right. There's a bird doing a podcast with, with a worm. And then at the 100th episode, the bird eats the worm. Early in the morning. Early in the morning. Yeah, that sounds about right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, So on the 100th episode, it's fitting that you would be co-hosting with me because you've done like eight of these. (laughs) So this is fitting that Robbie would bail on the 100th episode. Um, But that's okay. How many have I done? I don't know. Did you count? No. No. Are you oh. kidding me? I just knew it was a hundredth episode because <clears throat> Christoph told me that it was a hundredth episode. Yeah, I almost didn't believe that when I heard it. I It's pretty neat. So early on, I used to count each episode. I'd be like, hey, episode 24 and episode 27. And then we started losing count right in the upper twenties somewhere. And I would I would fumble around for it and Robbie would be like, It's not a big deal. Nobody cares. And I'd be like, what? but it's neat to know. And then we just lost count. And then all of a sudden, Christoph sent us a message saying, Hey, next episode is a hundred. Like one, zero, zero, a hundred episodes. I mean, I feel like if nothing else, the eight people who listen to this should feel very loved. That's what I feel like. I feel like that people should, um, know. actually, I don't know what our stats are. There, it's higher than eight, but, um, nine or 10. Yeah. It's, it depends on the week.
1: Um, but this is something that we've really grown to enjoy, haven't we?
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's always one of those things. I mean, look, full disclosure, i never like leading up to it like even today as we're sitting in your office and just kind of talking through like hey how should we handle the podcast today i was thinking uh my motivation is so low but then once i get rolling and can picture hopefully people who are listening to it and trying to help them then i'm then i get on a roll yeah i i have really enjoyed it i mean the times where i get
1: to do that usually are when after i'm preaching or if someone's out of the office, I'll step in. And I love getting to just talk through the way that it gives people a window, I think, into the way we would talk here after a Sunday when we're thinking through how the sermon right. hit or how we want to help people that week with it. And I just think that's a joy to get
0: to share it with other people. And hopefully it's been helpful. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it seems to have been, we get a lot of feedback about it, so evidently it is helpful. So um, speaking of how we feel about the sermon, I did also mention to you that this was, um, I was not excited about how this past week went, but it was one of those times where I think people, uh, people's first reaction, if I, if I act lukewarm about a sermon, their first reaction is they want to tell me how great it was, which (laughs) shockingly doesn't help because I just think, well... I mean, one of two things enters my mind either a, Oh, you're just trying to be nice (laughs) or, or B it was meaningful to you because of the Holy spirit. And then like, praise God. So it's like the highest of highs and lowest of lows, but either way over years of preaching a lot of sermons, people should know that I'm not as, uh, I'm not as fragile about how it goes as I was when I was younger. I, I just know that God will use it however, but, um, yeah, it, I, it was one of those that as I'm getting close to the end, I'm like, just, would you just land this plane? (laughs) Like just put everybody out of their misery, land this plane. It's snowing outside. We had a blizzard. It was an exciting Sunday. It was an exciting Sunday. I was actually surprised at the turnout. I was too. I was surprised that so many people, we had, uh, we have grizzled winter veterans up here. And so they were not, they were not turned off by a little bit of snow. Why don't you give me something hard to do? Right, I had actually, when somebody <laughs> said, I'm not going to name who it was, um, but they said, they said that they actually preferred that um, that the plows hadn't been out yet because it, the snow kind of like held them on the road. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> I, said, I can say I have not felt that. Oh man, it's like <laughs> such a, a such a Wisconsin, a Northeast Wisconsin mindset of like, yep, the snow, the snow gives me a little bit of traction. I just prefer that. Yeah, we've really plunged into it now. Into winter the, oh I mean, into it's like winter, all the snow and then yeah, today a it's podcast i was like no we've decidedly
1: not today it's in. this like exciting uh i thought negative two was the last
0: i saw on my way in that's really cold i just don't feel a difference once it gets down below like 15 i don't notice yeah i mean it's anything. cold either it's way just Cold. it's just cold so but what's not cold is this podcast because it's 100. Because it's episode 100. And we In and it was momentum. the message on money. Yeah, It's kind of fitting that the 100th episode would be on, on money. I was trying to say what was not cold was like the preaching, but I had just said I wasn't so thrilled <laughs> with the sermon. And so you could have said that. That would have been super helpful, Jeff. Let's, well, let's you take said that it doesn't let's take help. That again. Three, two, one. You know, it wasn't cold. The preaching. The pre- oh, now do you so, feel different? Yeah, so nice of you to say. So. You, <laughs> It was on fire this week is what you're saying. That's great. Um, So yeah, we preached on money, which is every pastor's favorite topic. Um, Well, actually I shouldn't say that there are, there are definitely, there are definitely pastors who enjoy talking about that. And, but here's the thing. I feel like we should enjoy talking about it because it's one of the things that, I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, Jesus talks about it a lot and it's always attached to incredible rewards and just great, Things like it's not; it's opportunities abound everywhere for generosity and for faith, and I mean it's always positive. Yes, I mean I shouldn't say it's always positive. Obviously, there are all those warnings about being rich, but with God's attitude towards money and the believers, the disciples' um, opportunity with with money is positive. Well, it's one of those things that most most of us don't wake
1: up in the morning on most mornings and think, man, I really wish someone would ask me to make a stewardship decision today with my money. That is, that is not where most of us oh, yeah. start, right? Not. but that kind of conversation and thought done in faith and in love is so good for us. And I think that's what you're getting at with like, it isn't necessarily the most exciting thing to address, but it's clearly crucial. It can lead to so much life and flourishing And Jesus taught about it a lot, like you said, a lot.
0: Which is so interesting. I mean, I feel like if we, obviously a big reason why pastors are uncomfortable, at least why I can say that I have been uncomfortable in the past talking about it is because I'm afraid, uh, I've been fearful that people would get the wrong impression That's a number, like a huge criticism of the church when people say why they left the church, like all they cared about was money and that's Mm -hmm. all they talked about. And, and so that can drive you into, and it drove me into the other ditch of saying, well, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of avoid that. Let that be in private discipling conversations. But, um, you know, when you preach on that, you kind of alienate things. But when you do that, you're, you're ignoring you know, a huge chunk of scripture, and that's obviously not faithful to preaching. Um, but then when I would do it, I would often be apologetic. And so the last few times, like as I've gotten older in my ministry, I I just kind of go at it the other way. Just like completely unapologetically and just going right at you know what what I think Jesus is getting at, because I think that's what's most helpful. Um so that's that's why that's why. Uh, that's what can be obstacles for pastors in talking about it. But, but Jeff, why why are there obstacles? Like, what do you think the obstacles are? From you know, Jesus promises these incredible rewards. Um, we are asked to to give generously, to view money in a particular way, to not worry about it. All of these incredible things that are said about how the Christian is supposed to view money. Why do we not? Why do we not be like, what are obstacles that we are dealing with that keep us from experiencing what God has for us when it comes to money? That's a good question. I I mean, I think
1: a a big one is just ignorance. So you said, you know, there's these promises, there's, there's life, you know, these rewards, treasures in heaven. And I think some of it is related to not understanding that, but then some of it is not realizing why it's such a problem or or if it is a problem so for most of us if we if we asked ourselves the question this could be a good exercise for for everyone listening is money is generosity and material possessions an area of your life that needs attention that needs focus and I think for a lot of us the assumption is no it doesn't I've got it under control and to me, that is a major obstacle because scripturally and with sin, it is a problem for most of us, just like anything else, that we need to grow into Christ's image more and more. Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, gave an example of that when he was preaching a series of messages on the seven deadly sins. When he came to the one on greed, he said that it was like the, the least attended. Hardly anyone came to that one. And his first reaction was, well, people don't want to hear about money. It makes them feel guilty or makes me seem self-serving as a pastor or whatever. But then as he reflected on it more, he realized actually it was because people didn't think that that sin was a problem. Mm-hmm. Lust was. Everyone right. was like, well, yeah, lust, I got to pay attention to that. But greed just wasn't. And unfortunately, that is an indicator of what an idol it is So when we're so blind to it in our life that we don't realize how we're controlled by it or that we figuratively bow to it in some way. So ignorance is one.
0: I think ignorance is a huge one. I think that if we, if we weren't around and we're even being really honest in a group of people where you felt really safe and you ask what, what are your biggest sin struggles right now? I don't, I don't know that greed or anything to do with money would come up. And so I think we don't realize Um, that it is an issue we we show that in the fact that you know we are you know all of us anyone listening if you are listening to this at all then you are clearly one of the wealthiest people in the world like in the top whatever percent of the wealthiest people in the world and we hear things like that and on one hand I understand there's there's sometimes defensiveness with that because things are relative right It, it costs more to to survive in the United States than it does in other parts of the world. And so that, that's a, that's a really fair point that there's relative wealth. And then there's just like, you know, straightforward numbers. And, um, but that, but all of it centers around this idea that we just are kind of oblivious, um, we're, we're oblivious to it. But I think it also shows that it's one of those areas of our life that we just, we, we like to believe that we've, we've kind of reached an agreement with our sin. We've kind of just, we've, we've tamed it in a certain way that we just, we don't really want that to be poked and prodded at because um, we've kind of reached this ceasefire that like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give and I'm going to do this, but then I'm going to use this. However, but it's, our money is not uh, it's, it's not an instrument of faith anymore. It's just this thing Um, and so we've kind of, we just kind of managed it, you know? And so, so then we get so comfortable with that, that that then leads us into thinking like, well, it's not a problem. I've already, I, you know, I've reached an agreement with that sin. And I think, you know, like when you mentioned lust, like nobody, nobody would say that about lust. Like nobody, at least nobody who's trying to be faithful to Jesus would say like, oh no, I've, I've managed my lust. Yep. This is just how it's going to be now. I mean,
1: people might function on that
0: way. But we right. wouldn't want to say that out loud yeah they would, we would feel like oh that's
1: not right right
0: they would they would know immediately so so I think that is definitely one of them I think an, another one is fear hmm. I think we just we're just afraid like we, we talked about the uh, abundance mentality versus scarcity mentality and there's just at least when I think about my own life and obstacles from me being uh, as generous as I I um, believe God would be calling me to be on any, in any given season of life, fear plays into that where like, well, what if I don't, what if I, what if I don't have enough or, um, I, I, the, the part of fear and scarcity mentality where that has come out in my life has been, what if I give to the wrong thing? Interesting. Like, so if I have, if I have a hundred dollars that I want to give Then in my mind, scarcity mentality comes in when I say, well, if I give it to this thing over here, I won't have it to give it if there's something better that comes along. Well, that's the scarcity mentality. That's the idea that, okay, well, I can only give it, I can only give it one place. Now you could say mathematically, well, that's true. You can only give that hundred dollars one place. I, I, I can't pull it back from that and then give it somewhere else. But then you're not understanding the abundance of our father who, if I gave a hundred dollars over here, like why would he not then give me another hundred dollars to give somewhere else? Like that would be the difference when I think of abundance mentality for me, that's been where I've been challenged in that. What about you? Like maybe if you felt like, you know, fear or do you see scarcity mentality being a. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I shared briefly when I was
1: first called into vocational ministry that the big hangup, I mean, for about a year was this daily, like, I think I'm called into it, but I am terrified of leaving my job and being a fundraising missionary. I mean, that, that, that doesn't mean that that struggle is over, but I felt like I, I really had to face that and, and decide, am I going to let fear call the shots or am I going to let faith in Christ and obedience to him win out in my life? And so I, I, I think that's really significant. It's interesting. The abundance thing, I think that, The first week in this series, you triggered a thought about that too, because you talked about it, but just that God operates so differently than we are able to as humans. Mm -hmm. So at our job, for example, so like if you're, if there's, there's a promotion at your workplace, there's one promotion. So if someone else gets it, you don't get it. If there's an award to win, someone gets it and not you. There's usually not like enough to go around in the world. That's just the way everything is here. But then when we come to God, he has an overabundance an ever overflowing of everything that we need. And so he can give that to Jay and I don't have to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. He can give it to me too, because he didn't run out whether it's praise or whether it's resources or whether it's a life stage or whatever the thing is, God's abundance allows us to, you know, it's related to our giving, but it also makes me think it's related to celebrating what other people have. Right. It's, it's, you don't have to feel like, well, they have, and now I don't because God is, he, he doesn't run
0: out. Right. And, and nothing, nothing stokes competitive fires quite like money does. No. Like it just, it really, and, and not only in the Christian world, I've seen this and not only um, envy of other people, what they make, but then also leading to judgment. And so um, if like, let's say, let's say that I, I wanted to take a vacation with my family in Florida, but I felt like that wouldn't be um, a good use of, of my resources. And then you go and take a vacation to Florida. Like that can build, kind of build resentment and judgment, even if the Holy Spirit was actually telling me no, and that was not something that I was supposed to do, but God was giving you that gift to open the doors to be able to do that. And so even if we're both being obedient to the Holy Spirit, there can be resentment and and judgment in that, which just articulates what we, what we know, which is that, that we think that we want to, our hearts want to be drawn to law and we want to create that law and we want to believe that it's something that I can control. And so good Christians don't do this. They don't, they don't buy this kind of car. They don't go to this kind of vacation. They don't live in this kind of house. And we realize like all that stuff is so relative that, um, And that's not to say that there's not importance in stewardship and wisdom, but it is wisdom given by the spirit, not by law that we have, we've created. Yeah. Some arbitrary set of
1: human standards that we just live by. And I think money is one of those where it's really easy to do that because we're just all swimming in similar water. Yeah. So even you mentioned, you know, the place in the world we live and just the relative wealth that we have. We compare each other to each other. It's just hard to ever. I remember feeling that when I was starting out brand new in IT. So I was making good money as a 23 year old. But compared to the guy who was in his mid 40s and working there a while, I made minuscule money. And so Mm. it's that comparison is always happening with money. I think even when we don't realize we're doing it, it's just there. It's a part of the way we're wired. It's so
0: funny. Yeah. When you think about the water that we're in, like, yeah, you don't, you're not aware of the water that you're swimming in because it's just, that's just normal. But like, even in that illustration of the vacation to Florida, like if I said, Oh, that's too extravagant to take my family down there. So instead I'm going to, we're going to go to the upper peninsula and just tour around there. Well, that, that feels like a big gap. Most of the world would look at that and be like, what's a vacation? Yeah. Like, how do you, you travel like for leisure that, how does that even work? Uh And, and, Um, so yeah, it's, there's that relativity in that. Um, so I do think that's an obstacle. We didn't talk about that ahead of time, but
1: comparison, Mm -hmm. comparison in either direction. So you can compare and be less generous and you can compare and be like it. I think it works both ways in our hearts. And, um, that's why we have to look at Jesus for all of this. We really do. I mean, we walk with each other in it. We're not isolated. We're not just these individuals making choices on our own, but we can't compare to each other. We have to walk with him in it.
0: Yeah, it's meant to be, we're meant to be able to encourage each other and maybe challenge each other, but it's not, you know, our father deals with each one of us in very different ways. Like some things are the same and then other things are unique to how he has wired us, the circumstances he has given us, um, in our in our lives and I think that's you know one of the one of those obstacles would, is just that we don't believe I mean ultimately it comes down to belief and that's what the message was really about is like do you do you believe that your father has an abundance of riches do you believe that um, he is calling you um, that that he is offering you rewards um like like I mentioned on Sunday, we typically most of us come from a culture that we don't really like talking about rewards for it um but the fact is that that's what god offers us he he tells us hey obey me with your money and and this is how you obey me with your money you give generously you give cheerfully joyfully give extravagantly um and i i will give i will reward you I will reward you for that. He's not telling us to do it for our own, just for our own benefit, like our own good or because we're a good person or anything like that. He's saying like, this is better. He's calling us to invest in something better. Every bit as much as if you have a personal advisor, like a financial advisor who says, hey, don't don't put your money in this low interest checking account. Like you're getting like 0.1% interest on this. Invested over here, you're going to get a 10% return on it. And if you looked at your financial advisor and said like, well, no, I don't, um, like if you thought his, whatever his motives are, or if you just didn't, the question would be like, do you believe him? But if you told him like, well, no, I don't, I don't want to put my money where it's going to make more money. Well, that would be silly. Um, if, if, if you're going to invest, if you're going to believe God, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, invest in the kingdom, then it means believing that he's going to reward the way that he says he is. He's not asking you to do it in some self-sacrificial way. He's actually saying it's better. So, um, so I think that is a huge obstacle. Is we just ultimately we can't wrap our brain around it. Like we just, and that's the thing we talked about last week in the podcast. Um, this is just a way in which God is so different from us like there are ways that we are made in God's image and so things that we can relate to and then there are things that we cannot relate to and one of the things we cannot relate to is is his abundance that he is never poor he is never limited he is never like he has no limits and so we have to just accept that on faith because we have no other frame of reference for it we could pick out the richest person in the world and we would still say well yeah but it's limited like we're figuring that out we're trying to colonize other planets like we're gonna run like money even the wealthiest people in the world are gonna run out of money at some point or they're gonna run out of time they're gonna like something's gonna run out they're limited but god is not
1: yeah and it's it we can't comprehend it because it's part of god it's part of his attributes that are just beyond us it's why he's god right what about practical things kind of on the other side of that? So th- we talked about some obstacles. Yeah. But what about like if someone's listening and they heard the sermon on Sunday and they're like, all right, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. This is
0: really important. What do I do? Well, you know, I think one of the things that if you grew up in the church at all, then you've heard the term tithe. So I think that's one thing that we would want to address. I didn't get to address it, address it in the sermon. Um, I've, dr- I've addressed it before but this question of like are we supposed to tithe and if you if you're not familiar with it tithe it was um in the old testament they would be called to give a tenth 10% of of their what they have and and so that 10% was accrued and so then the levites and um it took care of the priests it took care of the temple um and so they would give 10% and so that is still a guideline in the church and there's a lot of debate about um, is it is the tithe still in effect? Like that's a that's a question I've had many times from people. Like, well, isn't the tithe in the Old Testament? Is that really still in effect? What would what would you say to that? I would say no, because something better has come.
1: And so, I like the I like the what you said like as the guideline. I think what Jesus does with like if you just read through the Sermon on the Mount what he does with all of the laws from the old Testament, when he says, you heard it said, but I say, right. So his, but I say for the tithe and for wealth is it's everything. Like, right. like it's bigger than that. And that doesn't mean that, that I'm saying right now, well, we all need to go give a hundred percent. Like he said to the rich young ruler. Right. But he certainly would not call his followers to give less. I can't imagine that everything else was, well, you've heard it. You've heard it said, you know, adultery cannot sleep with a woman. Who's not your wife. But then he goes, but I say to you, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So he takes those laws and gets at what's deeper and it's not less demanding, but more demanding in the end. And so I would say that on that principle that his followers would joyfully give and I think in the end and it might not be where we start but in the end it would be more it would it would go past the tithe
0: yeah i think i think the tithe can be a helpful i think it's i think it can be a helpful guide i think it's you know because at some point we we certainly can get wrapped up and i've gone through these phases where i would feel super guilty for even buying coffee at starbucks and and god doesn't like that's not The aim of this is not um, The aim of God God's teaching And the teaching of Jesus on money Is not that we would feel super guilty About money Proverbs is full of just incredible things About like the, the value of wealth Now Jesus warns then Against being rich And how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom But that's because of the idolatry of it Because it is so powerful And And so he's basically saying, I think often saying like, look, it's better off. You're better off to be poor. Like some people, we get into the poverty gospel where we think it's holier to be poor. It's not holier to be poor. But I would say that spiritually it is certainly easier. It's similar when Paul says about being married, he's like, look, it's, it's like better, better for you to remain as me. But if you can't like just like better for you to get married than to get burned up by lust and and passion. And and so there are these things that it's it can be awkward and uncomfortable to talk about, but the reality is that that there are all these warnings, but then there are also all these wonderful things. If the idea was that that we're just not supposed like that we're supposed to not have anything to do with money, well then that would be the warning. But instead, what And, and we would see that in the kingdom, there is no money. Like if God said, you know, well, Hey, in the kingdom, there's no wealth because wealth is evil at its core. Well, that's not what is described in the kingdom, like streets of gold. And like, there's, there's wealth all over the place. There's endless riches in heaven. And, and so we do not see the kingdom as being, um, as being like, immune to or like or uh, disparaging of wealth in and of itself, but there are grave um, warnings that come with it. And so I think the 10% guide is a helpful tool to just kind of give us some handles to go with. But to your point, it's not the law. And so it's not something you check off and say like, okay, well, I'm tithing, so now I'm good. Because a tithe for one person is not the same thing as a tithe um, for a different person. Like for some people, if you're like in giving your tithe, that would actually put you below the poverty line. And, and for other people giving the tithe leaves them with $18 million a year to live off of. Mm -hmm. Like that's different. Yes. Right. Like so very different. I've known some people who have been, um, more fortunate financially. And, um, I know a couple who live off of what they call a reverse tithe. So they live off of 10% of what they, and they give away 90%. And when you ask, you know, well, why do you do that? because they don't need more than that. They, they have so, they take so much joy in giving away the 90%. They would never trade that. They're not giving away the money because they're scared of it or they, they're doing it because they feel like they've been given all of this and it's their joy to give it away. And so, they just feel like that's a better guidepost for them. If they just gave ten percent, be like, there'd be no faith in that. There's no like joy in that. So they give ninety well, percent.
1: That's another tip right there. You just said it. The faith part. Yeah. Why well, don't know if that's a tip as much as it is like the whole thing. It has to be like when we think like if it's not law. So if we're not just saying here's the code, check this box and do this thing. Right. Then it has to come from a different place. And ultimately, for a follower of Jesus, it's faith, right? It's trusting him and walking with him. And I mean, really, when we give to anyone or to anything, we're entering into what he's doing in the world. And we're, we're saying, the stuff that I have isn't even my stuff. It's your stuff, and I'm managing it. I'm stewarding this in some way. And so I give towards what you're doing. And, and I, I think that's a really important place to start because one person doing 90% giving is very different than another, like you said, Jay. And I'm, I'm assuming that these people arrived at it through their walk with Jesus, not because someone else said to them, this is what you must do. And again, that goes back to the the comparison thing. Whenever we start to prescribe for other people, well, with your life, this is probably what you should do. That gets so dangerous. But, but we can encourage each other to say talk to jesus lean into your walk with him and do what will be obedient and stretching for you don't do what's easy right do what would actually
0: require you to live in faith yeah so i mean so when we get really practical so yeah it is it is all about faith um but when we get really practical i would say one i I, basically i i had um I had two thoughts on that that were opposing thoughts. So, so one is start small. So, if you're sitting there thinking, you know what i I want to respond, and and like I talked about in the in the sermon on on Sunday, that part of the reason why money is such a big deal is because it is the the most tangible. It is the quickest, most tangible way to express faith. There's just nothing like it. You can you can like commit to having a quiet time. You can commit to serving. You can commit to a lot of different things. But when you, in our culture, especially when you write a check or you give away money, um, that is an immediate action of faith that then you're just saying, okay, I'm just, I'm trusting here. And so I think, I think that one way um, one way to do that is to start small. Like if you've never, if you've never given, say, to the church, and you're thinking, man, ten percent, like ten percent would put me below the poverty line, or I don't like that would that would cause massive changes. Now it's one thing, like if you look at that and you say, oh man, that would mean that I need to sell my fifth car. Like okay, well maybe maybe consider that and say I, I think I can do that. But if you're saying I don't know how we would eat. If I give 10%, then the question would be, okay, well, what is it, what is faithful giving? What does it look like to start at like 2% and to say, I'm going to give, I mean, it's not about giving, like giving what I can, but giving to stretch and say, okay, 2% would still be a stretch. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And then, um, and then to, to keep giving from there. But the other side of that is I would say my other big piece of advice usually is start big. So it sounds like it's contradicting. Start small and then start big. It does sound like that. It does sound like that, <laughs> but I think, but sometimes I, I think I've seen a lot of people, um, grow from the idea of like, you know, what I'm just I'm just gonna write I'm gonna write a big check. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that terrifies me. I'm gonna write a check that scares me. And I'm gonna give it. Um, it's it's kind of like jumping in the deep end of the pool, and when you think about it, that's typically that's how Jesus called his disciples to follow him he talks about like turning your back on everything, let the dead bury their own. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Like there's a lot of things where Jesus is saying it's, it's all or nothing like jump in. And so we all have had the experience of approaching a cold body of water, like a swimming pool where it feels cold or, you know, a lake or whatever. And you have two options. Like you can kind of dip your toe in little by little and, be cold the entire time until you eventually immerse in, or you can just dive in and, and just immediately like deal with the the shock of all of that. Um, I think God calls both. I think he asks for both at different times. And that's where we're talking about discerning the Holy spirit and saying, letting him determine that. And if you believe that he's calling you to take a radical step and just write a big check, like, maybe it looks like you're at the end of this year and this is going to sound totally self-serving, but I don't even care. Cause I it just is what it is. But like, maybe you're thinking, man, I, I didn't give this year. I was, I was afraid, um, you know, I, my job situation, a lot of people have cited the pandemic of like being fearful of give continuing to give, because what if my savings aren't enough? What if I lose my job? What if I, I can't get enough hours? And so maybe you did that this year. And you, you put giving on the back burner. And so maybe the scary thing right now is to say, you know what? I did get through this year. God was really faithful. And I'm going to write a check for the entire year's like tithe. I'm just going to write it in one big check. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, maybe like, I've known people who've like basically tithe in advance, like written a check for next year's tithe and written it at the beginning of the year, rather than waiting in response, which is a really beautiful way of doing that. Saying I'm bringing my first again in the old Testament. when they were given giving the 10% it was their first 10%. It wasn't like the leftovers. It was meant to be the best, their best 10%. And so for us, that could be something where you say, I'm going to, I want to give an advance um, rather than, you know, as a response always. So those are just a couple of, what, what would you say to, Either to any of those or to anything else. I think those are great. I like I actually really like the the
1: you're right, it does sound like you're saying two different things, but actually it's the same thing. It's given faith. Start small start big. And I, I think that you know, as pastors, if you're hearing this and it's something that you feel like I need to talk more with someone, I need to process that to figure out, we would be happy to do that. We would have d we'd be a joy to process that. But my encouragement would be do this all prayerfully. Do this in a way that brings you closer to Jesus because that's why this is so important. Ultimately, God doesn't need our money,
0: right? Right. He doesn't. He doesn't need us to give anything. He doesn't. He just wants us to trust him. Yes. Because he wants to bless us. Like even in Malachi, like I was thinking about that Malachi 3 when he is talking about how they're robbing. He's like, you're robbing me. And they say, well, how are we robbing you? He says, by not bringing your full tithe. And you could look at that as like, well, you know, so then, well, man, that looks like if, if I can rob God, then he must not have enough. But that's not that's not his issue. He says in verse 10 of, of Malachi chapter 3, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's what he's saying is you're robbing me of the joy of blessing you. Like that's ultimately what's happening. It's not that God is poor. And so now he's like, man, well, we don't have enough to eat around here because you didn't give. He's saying, he's saying like, you're, you're robbing me by not having faith. And And he says, put me to the test in this. See if I don't open up the windows of like, just, just, and, and just pour it out, pour blessing on you until it's just extravagant. That's what he wants. And that's, that's his joy to do it. So when he calls us to give, he doesn't need, he doesn't need us to give. We, our hearts need to give. And he, so that's where we're saying, like, put, put him to the test. Like, it's the only time that God says, put me to the test. Because he's asking that we trust him with the thing that we value. And and so when I say start small or starts big, like some of that is just knowing yourself, knowing where your um, spiritual, like being aware of some spiritual blind spots or from your wiring. Because maybe like there are people listening to this for whom the starting small and committing to 2% and then 4% and then 6% is far scarier than just writing a big check because some of us like are more wired to be scared of that kind of ongoing commitment. Like if you're more impulsive, then you be more the, the, the person who'll be like, all right, I'll write a big check. Sure. I'll do that. And then, and then I'm done. Right. Yeah. Like I, I did my part and that, that one big act will carry me through years of disobedience because I'm like, well, just keep looking I, back to I, it. Yeah. Right? I keep looking back. like, hey, this one time I wrote a big check. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you're that person, if you're more impulsive and intend and to fear more commitment, it may take more faith for you to commit to a certain percentage and continue to grow. But others who like to control those things more, you might be able to figure out a way that your budget still works and that you can manage your giving at 2% and maybe at 3%, maybe at 4% because of your planning, not because of your faith. But writing a big check would terrify you. Writing a check in advance would terrify you. Like. That's, that's what I would go at. I would say like, ask yourself the question, like how, how can I give in a way where I need to trust Jesus, where, where this is actually faith and then, and then let him, let him come through in that, like let him show off and, and bless in the midst of that and then see what that does to your faith. Like, it's just a really incredible opportunity that we have. Yeah, man, that, that's interesting to think of.
1: that's again why that comparison is so important to not do that because for some people that that example of writing that big check kind of gets us off the hook right and that I I was thinking when you were saying the incremental to the two and four and six eight ten twelve fourteen sixteen like I really do think that that's what God has for us not in those numbers but that mentality that it's just a growing and understanding and experiencing the his riches will make us continue to grow as generous people where we don't cap it. And I'll say, well, I've reached my 10%. Right. It's just a continuing and growing in it. And uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing because I'm confident that when we're at that place, we are going to be experiencing what Jesus promised, right? That our treasure will truly be in him. That where our heart is set really will
0: be on him. I'm really glad that you pointed that out because if somebody's sitting here listening going like, well, I tithe, I've been, I've been tithing for 20 years. Well, maybe you should be giving 12% or 14%. And the the stretching is, is like, you know, the parable of the talents. and, And if we're faithful in small things, he will give us greater things. And so continued faithfulness is not paying our dues it is continuing to stretch these muscles of faith and to become more and more faithful. And so I think, I think that's really convicting and really helpful that, um, because otherwise I think any of us that have been giving for a long time to the church can absolutely, it can just be like, well, that's just normal, which in one sense is good. But in another sense, it becomes like there's no faith in it any more than, than somebody who doesn't give. And so, um, so yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good word, Jeff. I'm glad I had you on this podcast. Hey, thanks, Jay. And I'm glad I'm glad that everybody else could join us on our hundredth, our one hundredth episode. I don't know if this was worthy of being a hundredth episode, but it was you know, hopefully it was helpful. Yeah, we yeah. brought what we had. We did we brought what we had. <laughs> We're like the poor widow, like we just had two small <laughs> copper coins. That's all. That's all of our wisdom, and we just offered it. So hopefully, and that's more. That's more than what Robbie offers when he, out of the oh, abundance sure. <laughs> of his wisdom, oh, he shares just a little bit. Uh, oh. Robbie, I don't agree with that. Okay. So he, yeah. one co- last comment for me. I love least. that you think he's listening to this, but go ahead.
1: I was just thinking that I think this topic, I mean, whenever we're talking about discipleship and obedience thing, we're lumping ourselves in with it. Like we're talking to ourselves right now. Right. And I just wanted to underscore that. It's oh even, yeah. Like, especially and even with money. As pastors this is something we are working on with Jesus we don't we we, this is all stuff that I'm like when I'm speaking I just wanted that to be clear I'm speaking to myself sure Too. like first and foremost
0: and I'm also speaking to you yeah (laughs) so that so we are yeah we're speaking to the same person you know that uh, there are a lot of times people don't realize that so so two things two uh, misunderstandings about the church that I hear a lot that I'm surprised at how much I hear Um, So if you, if you're listening to this and you think either of these things, you're not alone, but one is people don't realize that the way the church has money is because the members give. Like, I think a lot of times, especially if you come from a denomination, that's more hierarchical, like the Catholic church is, you know, where they have like, there's not in, in, in our type of church, there's no hierarchical structure. Like there's no parent organization that's funding what we're doing. It all comes from the people in this church. So that's one misunderstanding. A lot of times people don't they don't see they don't know that that there's no big organization that's funding what we're doing here. Um but the other thing is that they're surprised to know that people who are on staff here, pastors and ministry leaders, um, also give. Like, you know, which can seem counterintuitive. Like we receive, like we're paid out of people's tithes and offerings, which is why we don't take that for granted. Like we live off of the generosity of other people. They they have supported us and said, we want to free up your time to be able to do the equipping of the saints for ministry. And so we take that very seriously. Um, but then we also, we give from that back to the church. And so, um, so yeah, we're not asking people to do anything that we aren't, uh, that we aren't doing ourselves. So. You know, full disclosure here, Jeff, you did give me the wrap-up sign earlier, mm-hmm. and then you kept talking. I know. I'm I don't know sorry what to about do with that. that. Yeah, that's so weird. Robbie points out that I like to call out the the nonverbal cues that are like we give to each other. So I'm doing that. Like Jeff gave me the wrap-up sign, and he's like, so another thing. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Are we wrapping it up? I feel like that was an important thing. It was an important I'm really glad you did do that, though. I think everybody can agree <laughs> that, was, that was good. So, all right. Well, um, hopefully this has been helpful and that you have enjoyed our 100th episode. If you have uh, any questions or or things that we can help you with about this topic or anything else, please, please let us know. Um, You can always email us at connect at faithpestigo.com. And uh, so, yeah, until next time, grace and peace.